Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Episode of the Backdoor Cut Show, courtesy of the Barnburner Podcast Network, on uh, part of the Barnburner.com's network. Uh, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you're a big college hoops fan, our theater and college hoops guys have been going ham this week. They previewed about six conferences, got about ten hours worth of content on our podcast network. So if you're getting excited about college hoops, which starts up this week. Check that out for sure. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Backdoor Cut Show. And again, that's the Barnburner Podcast Network. And this is your guy, Zach. Tonight with me, I got Mason Rich. Uh, we're all pretty happy right now. Uh, not because of basketball necessarily, but Memphis Tigers hosted College Game Day yesterday. That's a big deal for all of us. Uh, the Tigers took home the W. I mean, I feel pretty good. Titans couldn't follow up today. Hell no. But yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, well, Yesterday made up for a lot of things, even though the Grizzlies also lost. But uh, we're going to kind of run through the games that happened this week. It was a short week as far as basketball goes. And then dive into five topics. The Grizzlies have played five games, so five topics is a pretty manageable thing we thought to tackle as well. So we'll get going. Uh, early this week, uh, had a one-game road trip out to L.A. Hey, man, you're not going to intro me and Rich? Damn. <laughs> straight into well, it. Yeah. Hey, it's good to see you too, Zach, man. Appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. What's up, guys? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Man, you get, Don't want to interrupt. My bad. I have one-track mind. I'm thinking. <laughs> we don't want to interrupt your show. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for joining me here on uh, the Backdoor Cut Show. All right, Mace, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Like you said, a great Tiger win yesterday. Unfortunately, our Grizzlies came with two losses this week. But, hey, on the bright side, we led both games at halftime. So, or no, we almost led the Lakers. Almost led the Lakers before that JaVale McGee tip-in. So, uh, the young guns can't put four quarters together in either game. But other than that, we're, I think we're all feeling pretty good. What's up, Rich? Uh, man, I'm doing good, man. You know, like y'all said, you know, beautiful weekend. Uh, as far as college football was concerned here in Memphis, college game day was just uh, a vibe. Um, got to check out the game at uh, our boy Mike Miller's new sports bar uh, in Germantown. Oh. Let it fly. What's the uh, scouting report on that? Uh, you know, a little smaller than I anticipated, but definitely, um, you know, a cool little spot. You know, a little on the smaller side, but he had it packed out. Um, they had all the screens going with the Tiger game, and it was a good time. So highly recommend driving out to Germantown, checking out Let It Fly. Be careful, though. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Why is that Germantown, man? Hey, man, them Germantown PD don't play. That's at true. Oh, I was in there like this. 
Ten and two, baby. Ten and two. <laughs> All right, Zach. Now, now you can go ahead. And okay. We'll dive into the games. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All right. Early this week, uh, Grizzlies went out to L.A. Went to go visit Mason for a one one game road trip. Uh, pretty much got destroyed in the second half by one Anthony Davis. Uh, you probably heard about this, but he got forty points, twenty rebounds, twenty six to twenty seven at the line. Jaron fouled out. Shocker. Jonas had 14 points, 11 rebounds in 23 minutes. Uh, really just – we can't hang with Anthony Davis pretty much. The the lineup that the Grizzlies have, and like Kyle Anderson tried to guard him. Uh, I think Clark got thrown at him for a minute. Uh, just a hodgepodge of folks, but really we just couldn't couldn't contain him. That's pretty much a synopsis of that game. I, I would say. Yeah, a lot of fouls. <laughs> Only 18 minutes of Jaron Jackson Jr. on the floor. Um Ja had 16 points, but only two assists and four turnovers. And the Lakers, I mean, that was just a game when we didn't have the horses to compete. Yeah, that 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 is a big team. Like, <laughs> They're huge. The yep. Lakers are big. Like Davis, seven foot. Uh, Dwight Howard, seven foot. JaVale McGee. Like, they got really big bodies. And even though a lot of teams are going away from that, that would have been a game very. It would have been very helpful to have Jonas be able to play more than uh, I don't, however many minutes he logged, because that's. I mean, we just didn't have anyone. Jaron with, yeah, he's all, he's also seven foot, but he, any he against anyone his size, he draw, he just fouls people. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers outscored us by twenty seven in the second half, and I mean, if you remember, we had a thirteen point lead early in the first quarter, so they kind of flipped the script on us real quick and. Uh, there was not much we could do about it. Yeah, I knew we'd, it had to be a long night when I was going through, like, the stats and stuff after the game, and I saw that Dylan Brooks was our assist leader with four. <laughs> so that just oh told me gosh. everything that I needed to know. Um was a long night in L.A. I mean, AD's just a fucking matchup nightmare. Um, just to be that big and that tall and be that skilled is just a cheat code. So, I mean, the Lakers did what they had to do getting rid of them kids and getting AD there. Yeah, so good, good for them. Hey, then we had a bunch of days off to get ready for the uh, bright future Suns without DeAndre Ayton. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think any of us really paid attention to that game very much. <laughs> we know John Morant had 24 and 7. He was 2 for 3 from 3. He had 13 points in the fourth quarter, and then 20 of his 24 came in the second half. Uh, he shot 8 of 11 in the second half, which the Grizzlies played without. Jaron Jackson, for the most part, who left the game with an ankle injury, as did Grayson Allen. And I just saw the injury report for tomorrow's game against Houston, and I believe Grayson has already been ruled out and Jaron is doubtful. Um, So hopefully those two guys are all right and can get back in the lineup soon. But another disappointing outing from Jaron before the injury. He had seven points and four turnovers in 22 minutes. Uh, yeah, ooh, I mean, really the only bright spot other than Ja was Brandon Clark had his first career double-double, 16 points, 11 boards to go along with three steals and two blocks. So um, some some optimism around Clark and Ja for sure, and a, definitely a level of pessimism boiling over in Grizz Nation regarding Jaron Jackson. Uh, anything you guys want to add on that Suns game? Now, nah, th- well, outside of the fact that they're they're kind of an interesting team this year. They came in playing. Uh, their record was three and two before we played them. You know, Aiton's out, but Frank Kaminsky is now a serviceable role player for them. 
Trying Aaron to rejuvenate Baines, his career. <laughs> Aaron Baines averaging 20 points per game. You know, he and Devin Booker are both averaging over 20 points. They've got six guys averaging double figures. So pretty like odd, odd team to match up with, especially for us when we have so many gaps on defense that, you know, who do you who do you you know spend your time guarding? Also Kelly Oubre. <laughs> almost Memphis Grizzly. <laughs> He's oh, playing the, really well. Man, got an oh-so-smooth game. Um, much, much more fluid than Dylan Brooks' herky-jerk style. Oh, man. Yeah, I think more of the same. Like, I wasn't really paying attention to it either. Um, but, yeah, I think even going back to free agency, when they signed Rubio, I was just like, you know, what is this about? Like, they're not going to be a team to watch while is Rubio going here, man. But you look at them, and they have, you know, a few people that are trying to rejuvenate their career. Um, they've already got a stud in Devin Booker. Um, always been a fan of Monty Williams, so I know he'll, you know, be coaching them up. And, you know, John Jaron already had a long morning. They were out at game day getting interviewed, you know, holding it down for the grids. Oh, uh, so, can we so, hit on that? That was like the most <laughs> un It was like, so awkward. There was no reason for that. Like, <laughs> it was so awkward. It was such a forced interview. <laughs> yeah. Like they did the questions that were asked made no sense and that that was rough. That was rough to watch. Facts. Facts. What they ask him? I was down there, so I couldn't. I saw that they were like on the TV because they have like a pretty much like a screen showing everything, but I couldn't really hear what was being said. What, what kind of stuff were they talking to him about? Well, it was like three questions, and yeah. like, what do you think of this atmosphere? And you know, they said like it's lit. Awesome. Uh, it's lit. Jaron said something about like it seems like Obama came or something with all these people here. And that was about it. Like they asked Job one question, and then it was over. Like it was. 30 seconds, maybe. Yeah. Just like, hey, there's an NBA team here. Irrelevant to everything else that's going on right now. But hey, but definitely good to see them supporting the city uh, sure. on, on that big stage. So a lot of eyes did see them representing the city of Memphis. And, uh, you know, two great guys to have representing our city. Yeah, it was an awkward interview. But then also, like, conversely, like, Penny came through with the Tigers basketball roster. They just came in cool as hell. They were just up top on the rooftop, man, just – Getting lit. I don't know if Lester Quinones like just keeps the shades in his pockets, but he's just always ready, man. Just cool ass, cool ass East Coast swag. So it's just good seeing, you know, the young Grizzlies, the young Tigers in both sports just coming together uh, all for one purpose, all for the city. Yeah, and those Tigers, uh, I believe, play their first game this week. So we'll have some Tigers content coming your way as well. But uh, back to the Grizzlies. Yeah, and in the game against Phoenix, we led at halftime. Even with Jaron Jackson, I mean, uh, John Moran only having four points and Jaron obviously not doing much. So another example of us running out of gas in the second half. And I think it's mainly that when we need a bucket, we don't have a play that we can go to. Um, and our offensive system, which we'll get into in a little bit, just isn't just isn't working for the talent we have. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you there. All right, so what we're going to do is, as I alluded to earlier, we played five games so far, so we're going to cover five topics. The first topic being Jaron Jackson Jr. and his affinity for fouling. Is that something that we should or should not be worried about at this point in his career? Rich, what do you think? Um, you know, I will say that, you know, there are often times that Jaron is just, you know, called for some, you know, questionable calls, questionable decisions, but at the end of the day, like, it's becoming an issue. Like, I mean, we've talked about it. We've talked about it at length. Um, and 
getting the shots is the one thing that we can get into, but actually being able to be on the floor with the guys is a whole nother story. And if you're consistently fouling and consistently in foul trouble and having to have those minutes staggered, that, you know, takes you off the court uh, from being with the guys. So I don't know what needs to be done. Like defensively, I don't know if there are sets that can be implemented or, you know, what Jaron has to kind of do to kind of get over that hump. Because I think in his reactions, like you can tell it frustrates him. You can tell that, you know, he doesn't agree with every call. You know, he's he's he doesn't like being like pulled out of the game. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, it's that's that's the game. You know, six fouls and you're out. You're disqualified. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, it's not too late to rectify. I don't think that it's too late to rectify, but uh, something for sure has got to be done. Mason, what do you think? Yeah, so I, I think it's definitely something that is worrisome, but I'm willing to give him some more time to figure it out. And my reasoning is that he missed about 25 games to end last season, um, and he's just getting acquainted in a new defensive system under a first-year head coach and basically brand-new teammates on a team that uh, is not really expected to be great defensively like maybe the Grizzlies of years past have been. And then I feel like not fouling is a skill that you can only learn by playing in NBA games. Like I don't feel like summer pickup, you can really work on that. Definitely not a lot of just uh, individual drills you can do to learn how to not foul. Mainly in the summer, your corrective items on fouling is coming through film work, I, I assume. So I'm willing to give him 20, 25 games here at the beginning of this season. And I would prefer that he not be hobbled by an ankle injury during these <laughs> during this uh, window of opportunity, <laughs> so he can <laughs> so he can fluidly move around defensively and have a chance to stop this fouling. But that's kind of where I am. Like I I'm willing to admit it's a problem, but I'm also willing to give him some more time, um, just because I think you can only learn to stop fouling by playing in actual NBA games. Um, which is harder to do when you pick up two fouls early in the first quarter. And I mean, like like Rich said, to his overall game, like his body language has been shitty, for lack of a better term, um, when he has been in foul trouble, even though he's still a great cheerleader on the bench. But it's just, I mean, he's only averaging 13 points and five rebounds in 25 minutes. Whereas if you compare that to Lori Markinen, who's averaging – just five more minutes, 30 minutes a game, he's averaging 17 and nine. And that's just much more of an impact on the game. And without Jaron producing at a higher level, the Grizzlies are going to be in for a whole bunch of ass whoopings. Yeah. If you, if you look at Jaron and just kind of some of his basic numbers, how he's comparing. So he's drafted fourth overall last year, right? Well, he's not really playing at that level at this point compared to the rest of the sophomores. If you look at his points, he's ninth in points per game. He is ninth in minutes. He's eighth in rebounds, and he's thirty fourth in assists. So, like, he doesn't even average one assist per game, which Damn. is kind of yeah. <laughs> that also ties back to how little he's touching the ball, which also ties back to the problem that we're talking about right now is that he's not in the game, largely due to faults of his own. And referees, I got it, you know, whatever, the extra ones. But uh, on Reddit this week, someone pulled, did a data pull from a basketball reference, which, side note on basketball reference, if you go and look up the Memphis Grizzlies right now, <laughs> the, you know how they have the, like, coach, um, let's see what else is at the top, 
they have like the record, the coach, and then the executive. Guess who's listed as the executive for the Grizzlies? Uh, Chris Wallace. Yeah, Chris Wallace still listed. <laughs> Come on, B-ball ref. No, uh, let's, let's get that fixed. We got <laughs> maybe that is why we're one in four. Could it be? I think, I think I the know. latest reports have him legitimately being in a scouting role for the Grizzlies. Like in this front office, he is currently scouting for the Grizzlies. He was at the Memphis Pro Day as a Grizzlies executive. Yeah. Wow. He don't die, man. No, but he's sure in the executive that needs to be having his name out there. Just please fix. That's my only complaint, BRF. You're awesome otherwise. Uh, I digress. Back to – so someone did a Reddit uh, – a poll for a Reddit post about Jaren's fouls. So what they did is they looked at uh, 19-year-old and 20-year-old seasons filtered by minutes per game over 25 and looked at fouls per 36 minutes back to 1945. So – the beginning of time and world war two he has so last year as a 19 year old he averaged 5.2 personal fouls per 36 minutes which is the most ever for a 19 year old since 1944 uh second was wendell carter at 4.9 in the same year also last year devin booker at 3.8 and then sean livingston at 3.6 and then you got Kobe, Darius Miles, Chris Bosch, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard. Chris. Uh, Chris. <laughs> Speaking too fast, Chris Bosch. There's a lot of mashing syllables there, I guess. So he, if you look at that, you can be comforted that, okay, a lot of really good players have had issues with foul troubles early on in their career, right? But yep. he's averaging one and a half more sometimes two more, two solid fouls more per 36 minutes than some of those guys. So that that's pretty concerning. So that's last year. Look at this year. His per 36 is 6.6, still the most ever for a 20-year-old from 1944 to present day. So in, he can't even play 36 minutes in a game because he'd have over six fouls, almost seven fouls. Uh, behind him on that list, also Wendell Carter, then Boogie Cousins, and then some other people that are, you know, not really of note. Josh Jackson's on the list at number 11. Good for him. But uh, th- that's just, that's concerning to me that his the trend has gone up and that the list of notable people, like long-term superstars, really falls off. So the 19-year-old, I get it, but the 20-year-old, I'd really expect to see some sort, of, some more discipline there. So to me, I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. I wonder if he's been involved in more pick and rolls um, this season because it seems like our defensive strategy is to kind of have the big sag and the guard chase over the top and then the opposing team's guard who has the ball is just coming straight downhill at our big, which puts the big in almost an impossible situation. Uh, I'm not saying that's why he's fouling more, but we might need to dive into the numbers a little more to see if it's part of the system. Oh, there's always a story to tell for sure. (laughs) That's just the first layer of the onion. But hey, man, stop fouling, Jaron. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't want to be talking about. That's like not fun to talk about. Just don't do it. Yeah. All right. So 
Uh, and also, I did a poll on Twitter, so a lot of you guys agree with um, with Mason on this one. That I think got a couple hundred responses on: Is it should we be concerned now, or should we not be concerned? Jaron's young; don't worry too much about it. And about eighty percent of people said he's young; don't worry about it. So clearly, I'm in the minority here, uh, and most of you guys think that everything will work itself out. But he's got to get minutes on the floor, sustainable minutes in a row and get in a groove. It's all just like a catch 22 of sorts. Um, so moving on from Jaron, um, professor Mason, how do you feel? How do you feel about the Grizzlies pace? Oh God. (laughs) These are my Nancy glasses. (laughs) For those of you that aren't watching us on Periscope or YouTube, uh, Professor Mason has entered the building with his spectacles. It'd be better if they were rec specs, but actual spectacles is good. Hey, I'm a true player for real. I ain't got no rec specs. <laughs> <laughs> so give me your thoughts on on the Grizzlies' pace of play, which is drastically faster than last year's. And All right. ever, ever, really. I'm going to start with some numbers from cleaning the glass. Um, only 76% of the Grizzlies plays have been ran in a half court context. And that mean that is the fewest amongst NBA teams, meaning we've ran the fewest amount of plays in a half court context, which on the flip side, uh, we have 19 possessions that start with transition and is third most in the league. So to Taylor Jenkins and his staff's credit, the team appears to be playing the way that they want to play. Now, here's the problem. On those transition plays, the Grizzlies are 29th in the league in points per play and 29th in the league in points added per possession. Both of those are at the next to last in the league. So while we're getting all of these opportunities in transition, we are not good at doing anything with those opportunities. (laughs) So that's problem number one. Then once that transition settles into the half-court context, which I already mentioned, we have the fewest amount of half-court opportunities in the league, our offense improves just a bit where we're 27th in the league in points per play. So no matter if we go the transition route or we pull it out in the half-court, we can't score. Um, Our offensive rating is 29th in the league right now. So we... We ain't getting buckets, basically. Yeah, and you might think that we're letting it fly a lot more, but only 30% of the Grizzlies' shots are coming from beyond the arc, and that is 27th in the league. So we're still fourth from the bottom in terms of three-point attempts per game. We're 29th in three-point accuracy, uh, and we're just 24th in finishing at the rim. So... Uh, however, the one bright spot, we shoot the most frequent short mid-range shots in the league between 4 and 14 feet, <laughs> which is where this offense does not want to garner shots, <laughs> if you remember correctly. <laughs> We're trying to finish at the rim and shoot threes. Rich, how do you, what, what, what do you think oh, is – Let me get one more I, number off my chest. Dude, okay, lay it on us. <laughs> this, I think, is the biggest – problem with the Grizzlies offense per synergy Jaron Jackson does not have 10 possessions through these five games as the role man in pick and roll situations 
So he has not set 10 picks and made a move after that. That also counts him popping out to the three-point line. That's worrisome when most Grizzlies fans and people around the league want to see Jaron Jackson and Ja Morant pick and rolls. Now, where else did Jaron excel last year? On the block. We all remember the left-handed hook. Oh, yeah. Well, Jaron does not have 10 post-up possessions per synergy on the season. So if we're not putting him in the pick and roll, we're not putting him on the block. Is he He's just fucking standing out there and we're not using our best player. No wonder he wants to commit fouls. Like, geez. So that's uh, – yeah, man, that's that, that's where I stand on the Memphis Grizzlies offense. <laughs> Rich, you have like a bright spot or uh, what, what? shit. Like my first bright spot is definitely like Mason's finger, just going through that whole segment, the little finger wag. He was just hitting them with like I really, I, I just added to everything. Like just like no, no, no. Um, but shout out to Mason with the stats, man. I think that's very uh, that's not good. Um, to Mason's point, you know, we talked about what the offense was supposed to look like this year with this new coaching staff and. It's the complete opposite. Um, I'm sure half of that is accounted for Brandon Clark's little like running floater thing in the lane that he likes to do. But it's just weird, man. Um, and when you hear those stats regarding Jaron, I came into this season, you know, salivating for some giant Jaron pick and roll action, you know, whether rolling to the cup or popping out for three. Um, and one thing, I just don't think Jaron's three point shot has looked that good this season. It doesn't look like he's setting his feet. It's still the the you know awkward release, but it just ha- hasn't looked good. He shoots um, like a high school girl. Yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> like where they're pushing it and like they're using yeah. all their might to get that shit to the rim. Yeah. It's just not pretty. Um, and yeah, when you speak to those stats to Zach's question, like, is he out there? Like, what's he doing? You know, if you're not being involved in the offense like that, it's so easy to become disengaged, especially if you're dealing with foul shots. It's like, well, shit, I'm already not out here, but sh- when I'm out here. I'm really not even out here. So we've got to find a way to showcase who has been anointed our, our franchise player. Um, that's what, you know, we all came to the season thinking. Um, and that's what I think Jaron does have the capability to possibly potentially become. Uh, but with these stats and these sets, it does, it hasn't manifested yet. And it doesn't seem like he's being set up for success offensively. Um, and something's got to be done. Yeah, Jaron, man, we really bashing on Jaron today. Yeah, but uh, he his usage rate is the fourth lowest in the starting lineup. So that means there's three other guys out of five that are more involved than he is on well, buckets. So be fair to Jaron, uh, Dylan and Jay ain't passing up no. Jay's shooting that hole. I mean, like I said, I think it was last week. It's obvious that Jay is under direct orders from the coaching staff to help implement this let it fly and just shoot as much as possible. Like, I, w- I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah, and, and – But talk- he get, he's 0 for 8 last game, so. Yeah, he's – Yeah, and even in the game against Brooklyn, he hit the only two points he had – or only he made – he had six points, and one of the only buckets – or one of the two buckets he had was the game winner. So it might seem like he did a whole lot in that game, but he didn't. Really didn't. Not on the offensive end, at least. But I, I look at this, so I'm trying to be optimistic. So we clearly are not shooting well. 
when we beat Brooklyn, we shot 42% from three. Every other time, we're shooting like 20 to 30. And we're not shooting that many. So part A of Jenkins' new system, play faster. Okay, we got it. Like, that's step A. We got that firmly implemented through five games. Now, if we are going to shoot the ball, we need to start shooting the ball. But also, we know that the, the team that we have right now is not the, not the people that we need out there to shoot the ball. We don't, we're not staffed with that group of people yet. So that's work that the front office has to go do to staff us with the people to implement that offense to make it actually successful. Because right now, we're going down, taking bad shots, not shooting the threes that we say we want to shoot. But it, it is about building that culture of what's the standard going forward. I kind of think about it's kind of a debate that we've had, uh, I know, several times about uh, do, you, do you build an offense around the talent you have or build a system around the talent you have? Or do you like have a system and then build, bring in the talent for that system? So if you think about like in college, you got Syracuse, you know, they always run a zone. They've been running a zone forever. So they bring in people that can run that. Or do you look at someone like Duke who brings in the best talent they possibly can and then implements a system, you know, like them and Calipari, every year they're changing based on the talent that they have and the players that they have. So that's, you know, two, two different approaches you can take. And we're moving towards that direction, but we really suck at it so far. And a lot of it is our players are inexperienced, they're getting fatigued, and it's not the right personnel in the first place. But it is encouraging to see the pace. At least it gives us a good half of basketball. While we kinda, we've been able to jump out on teams, which has not always been the case. So some of the game is in hand, at least until the second half. So it's some, it gives us something to look forward to, I guess. Yeah, and with Ja and Jaron, you want to play fast and get up and down the court. But at the same time, as the coaching staff, even at this stage of implementing the offense, you got to be able to implement second and third reads to where Jaron gets the ball on the block, Ja gets the ball. I mean, JV gets the ball on the block. Jaron, Ja pick and roll. Um, just too much settling for bad shots from bad shooters, um, yes. and just not even looking at Jaron on the post, whether that's in transition or whether that's, you know, 10 seconds into running the offense. So just kind of disheartening on those fronts from some of the, I guess, role players that they're not willing to give the ball to the stars. (laughs) Got to establish the roles for these guys. Yeah. I almost feel like a lot or some of these guys are playing for their own contracts, maybe for where they hope to get traded or, trying to sign already looking forward to the off season, knowing that there's not going to be a playoffs with this current team and maybe not paying as much attention to what Taylor Jenkins is trying to implement here. Like Jay, man, like he's just, like you said, he's not going to pass the ball. He's trying to get his numbers up so that when he gets traded, he can have a higher value and maybe have some control over where he goes. I mean, I don't really think that's on him though. Like I think he has been told to shoot every time you touch the ball. (laughs) Uh to help establish that culture of let it fly. But, you know, with the pace going as fast as we do comes turnovers, especially with the young point guard. And before we dive into Ja, uh, the team as a whole is 28th in the league in turnovers per game. Uh, And we allow 22 points per game off those turnovers, which I believe is worst in the league. And we allow the most fast break points in the league. So 
hard to win when the other team is just racing down, shooting layups. And then we also allow the second most uh, second chance points in the league. So also not getting the boards and, uh, you know, boxing out. So when you add all those things together, it's easy to see how we only have one win. And it's that night seems like a rare blip on the radar where we just hit 40 plus percent from three and happened happened into a win. So uh, a lot of bad basketball from this Grizzlies team so far. No doubt. Uh, moving on to a brighter subject. So let's let's celebrate John Morant here for a minute. He's been awesome so far this year, at least by my standards. I'm very pleased. Outside of the fact that he and Jaron only hang out off the court and on the court, you know, don't seem to like look at each other or pass each other the ball, whatever. <laughs> Outside of that, he's done a lot of good things. Very exciting. Um, he, can, he can score a lot of points. Rich, tell me more about what Jaw's done. How do you feel about his performance so far? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, for me, like you said, like I just, you know, have been very pleased with Ja um, for, you know, everything that I came into the season expecting. Uh, I think it really came to a head last Sunday, um, that Brooklyn game, you know, granted it seems like an anomaly and it seems like forever ago when we came out with that dub, but that fourth quarter in overtime was just enthralling. Like, he just really put the team on his back. Um, We kind of knew he came in with this, like, no fear mentality, and we're really able to see it. Like, he doesn't back down from an opponent, doesn't back down from a big-name superstar. Um, He's going to, you know, try his best to will his team to victory. Um, I've appreciated, you know, seeing, you know, the way he attacks the rim, the way he, you know, uh, is able to kind of get his shot. Uh, I don't appreciate, like, how much he has to take and tumble uh, and fall. He takes a lot of hard falls. Uh, but I'm very interested to see how he'll come back, you know, next season after a full offseason of training with the NBA program, you know, getting more strength, getting larger. Um, but, yeah, man, I just think we really kind of hit the lottery. Uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> see what I did there? Uh, we hit the lottery um, and are able to – we're able to draft a transcendent talent. Um, you know, he seems very invested in Memphis, very invested in the Grizzlies, and we know it's going to be a long season. We came into it knowing that. Um, but I think that, you know, with Ja having the keys to this franchise, I'm excited to see where we'll go. Um, because I know that one thing that I don't think he possesses is a loser mentality. and He won't want this team losing for long. So, Yeah, I mean, you see it each game in the fourth quarter when their back's against the wall. He's the one trying to will them back in. Uh, so definitely not a loser. Um, one, the one negative on Ja is he's averaging 4.8 turnovers per game. Uh, which ranks him in the third percentile of guards in the league on cleaning the glass. We knew that was going to happen. He's a rookie point guard, and we're playing faster than hell. Like, that's just going <laughs> to happen, and especially when your teammates are, you know, middling NBA players for the most part, and you're not allowed to pass to Jaron Jackson. Um, he, but how, he's also averaging five and a half assists per game, which ranks him in the 70, 70th percentile for guards. Uh, so that's good to see. points, almost 19 points, I think is more than any of us would have expected at this point Uh, on 51% shooting from the floor and 50% from three. Uh, Granted, it's only 10 attempts, but, and we, I hope to just see him continue to shoot the three. His shot hasn't been awful. You know, it's not the prettiest thing uh, like Jaron Jackson, but it, it's worked for the most part. So, and he's got the confidence and it seems that he's not going to like change the mechanics or anything. So just, Start shooting that thing, young fella. 
Yeah, and to go back to you, you kind of mentioned where he ranks in the league in terms of a couple of those numbers. So he, as far as rookies this year, he's second in points, uh, only behind Kendrick Nunn, who just—I <laughs> mean, that guy's just—I I mean, I don't know what yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> just Google that man; he's just de- destroying everyone this year. And you know, Memphis. Funny that we got like that was our opening game. You know, we got to see that, and I'm like, who's this guy? Like you even listen to you know the Ringer Woj some of those guys sound like you know totally off the radar for the most part. Um, yeah, well he he went to Illinois. He was a four star, I think like top one hundred recruit, and then he had a domestic violence issue and wound up at Oakland University, which is a much much smaller school. And I mean he was second in the country in scoring two years ago. Played in the G League last year, so now I get an opportunity in Miami where they're known to develop players and. He's making the most of it, you know. Hopefully, he's uh, learned from his mistakes and uh, can can have a productive NBA career in life. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, so, Ja, the five we talked about the five assists that he's bringing in per game that is the most among all the rookies. There so, I mean wow. that that's who's pretty second? positive. Do you have who's second? Second is Darius Garland, and he has three and a half. So he has a solid two more assists. Uh, per game and the next closest person and he's playing jaw's playing one more minute than yeah. him so th- i mean that that is good the turnovers are high we're also playing at the fast pace so you you expect that to level out the three-point shooting is good three players in the rookie all-star game could have yeah. jaw brandon and jaren sorry that just hit me <laughs> back, <laughs> back to jaw's three-point shooting it's live <laughs> no I, I think that's encouraging and just the overall, he's shooting over fifty percent um, from from the field, so that's that's a positive thing for sure. Sixty four percent of his points he scored have been scored in the paint. So um, even with his slight frame, really not a problem for him scoring in the paint. Even though we know it could be a little better, he's just got to kind of got to learn how he's going to maneuver around those bigger bodies, and mm-hmm. obviously he's got to go hard to the rim on dunk attempts and learn when to dunk and when to just finesse it. And he he does have the highest usage rate of all rookies. Obviously, he's bringing the ball down, controlling a lot of what's going on, uh, but just just something to like just to keep in front of you there uh, that he is he he came into a very bad team he's on a bad team but he's also you know playing a big part of trying to get that team better I would be concerned if the usage rate was really low and he wasn't performing on the bad team then that would be kind of a sign of concern but uh, so far this year he's been the bright spot we were really hoping that this would be Jaron's time to kind of take the team over but really it's been Jaws team this year honestly yeah and just want to see him and Jaron get better Um, right now they're Averaging minus 2.5 points per 100 possessions, and that's in 86 minutes they played together on the floor. So that's pretty solid sample size. That and the uh, turnovers are the only thing, only complaints from me with Ja. Otherwise, you've been great. <laughs> P.S. We love you. Yeah, <laughs> because we know he's listening. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, we're going to go into ranking the, <laughs> the super exciting wing players that the Grizzlies have. Mason, who are. Who's the top? Who's the bottom feeders? <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm putting Dylan Brooks at the top. He has performed relatively well um, from a numbers perspective. So I, I'd give him the nod. And then my bottom feeder would be Marco Gaduric. 
Um, been really disappointed with his play so far, just not really seeing what he can do at an NBA level yet. But he's still kind of young, so we'll see. We got him for two years, so hopefully he can make something of his – make carve out a role and uh, start knocking down shots maybe. That'd be cool. You know what he's shooting from three? Shitty. <laughs> no, take it, take it, just take a guess. Like 15%. What do you think, Rich? 21%. Eight percent. Oh, damn. Oh, shit. I, mean, I could shoot. Okay, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> and he's putting up several attempts per game also. Yeah, just been pretty – not yet. Not good. I, I want to yeah. see something happen. His offensive rating is 77. Damn. So he's a huge negative when he's out there on offense. On defense, he's kind of in line with the rest. He's got the worst defensive rating of, of all the wings, but – by a slim margin, nothing that's substantial. Uh, what are you saying on the wings, Rich? Uh, I mean, literally, I'm going to have to give the upper echelon to Dylan, and it's really just like, you know, the the best of the worst, honestly. Um, I think our wing rotation has left a lot to be desired. Um, it's just not competitive NBA-wise to NBA standards. Um, but, I mean, Dylan has shown up. Uh, for the most part, um, I really enjoy it when Dylan just catches and shoots. Um, and he, you know, has been a part of the offense so far. Um, and hopefully it's looking like he's, you know, feeling back healthy, feeling back uh, at least 100% after, you know, such a down year last year injury-wise. Uh, and for the bottom for me, um, last week I believe it was Grayson, but I'm going to have to go with Marco too, man. Uh, Grayson did do a little something this week. He, I know he was on the court. And I know he hit a shot because I saw a highlight where he hit a shot. Um, and so he impacted the game in that way. You know, hope his injury isn't too severe with the ankle. Uh, but, yeah, just knowing that Marco got a two-year contract, man, you know, we were told that this overseas uh, player, he was a shooter. That's that's what we were told. He's coming in. This is a shooter. He's going to come in. He's going to shoot the rock. And I just haven't seen that. And I don't know what other ways he impacts the game outside of being this shooter that – he's proclaimed to be. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, it's still early. He still has time to, you know, ingrain himself into, you know, the culture of the NBA pace and speed, but definitely leaving a lot to be desired. Um, especially for somebody who is going to be around for not only this season, but the next, like for certain. Zach, you got anybody different for your top or bottom? Man, they cut Ivan, Ivan Rab can shoot 8%. For 8%, <laughs> 8% <right? laughs> Come on, man. Yo, boy. <laughs> oh, man. No, that's pretty much it. I, I think Dylan, if he is your I, – I think if he is maybe like the fourth or fifth guy on your team – that's still not a good team. Never mind. Take it back. <laughs> no, like seven three. No. But all I know is, like in the in the NBA, that two guard position is so many times your very best player. And for the fact that we have someone that should be like your seventh player, really seventh or eighth player, then it it kind of sucks. Yeah, sucks. Yeah. So, so but he has improved and he's shooting well. So like I, I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, on the catch and shoot, his numbers are like some of the best in the league. So that that's inspiring. It's just when he tries to do a little too much. He's just got to settle into his role no matter how bad the team is. And I know he wants to do more just out of his competitive nature to help us win. But it will be more beneficial to him to settle into his role and watch his numbers increase and make him look better, uh, especially in a contract year. So yeah. following Dylan, I had Jay Crowder just kind of 
by choice ranked second. Uh, I excluded Kyle Anderson slow mo from the wing because he's mainly been used as a big man, like a four man. Um, but I I would have him number two if I could include him. Didn't know if we were counting him. Then I had a Solomon yeah. Hill right in the middle and Grayson right before Marco. Yeah, Hill's a good, a guy that you know. I think he's done good enough to get a couple more minutes per game. He he's actually shooting fifty percent from three, on almost three attempts per game, and his other numbers are like his defensive ratings one hundred eight. That's the best of all the guys you just listed. So, I mean, he's kind Sounds of a jack like of all trades. I'm slowly <laughs> I'm putting one foot in that camp right now. I, I really am, and even though he played down low the other day against Brooklyn. He played uh, close out the game. It's pretty much like the 4-5. I, I don't really know what to expect on a night-to-night basis of who's playing what position and everything, but I'm certainly willing to watch him play more, especially because he could certainly be a guy that you can flip for something. I think it's in our best interest for him to have a pretty good year so that we can trade him you know, just for some more assets towards the trade deadline. Because I think... Is he in a, is he on an expiring this year? Yeah, like yeah. one year, twelve million. But uh, man, come on, it's Solomon Hill. We we know what he is. <laughs> How you feeling about the wings, Rich? <laughs> I mean, shit, yeah, like it's Solomon Hill. We know what it is. Um, that Brooklyn game was wonderful to see for him, but then the Laker game, like he was just getting. They tried to have him guard LeBron, and they just like no, <laughs> like like stop. We don't have that person. <laughs> we don't have that person. There's no one on the roster who can do that. Um, but yeah, I think. If we are, I think that was a good caveat Mason mentioned. If we were to include slow-mo, um, he would definitely be number two on my list as well. Um, I've just seen him be more confident this year in playing his game. Like, you're never going to get Kyle to not play his game at his pace. And he's been finishing, like, all of those little layups, man, like, at the cup. And he's just, you know, able to, to be able to handle the ball at that height um, as fluidly as he can. It's just, you know, he's really a, a cool little mismatch. Um, slow-mo uh, is kind of doing his thing. like to see him this year. Um, Jay would be fourth. Um, I know like the, the young guys really respect him. He's kind of that vet in the locker room boss man. Um, and he really seems to be, you know, uh, ingrained in the culture and a lot of people are becoming a fan of him, but you know, I know he's somebody that's not going to be around for the long term. So there's only so much stock I can really put into that. Um, and then we got Grayson, uh, and then, Marco, man, it's just – I don't know. Like, I just don't know, like, in what capacity capacity he's, you know, contributing to the rotation, contributing to this team uh, effectively, uh, positively. And, yeah, when you talk about rosters, that two and that three spot is just so vital um, for any, 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 you know, five on the court in the NBA game. And I think that's definitely, like, our weak link um, on the roster so far. Um, the wing play. Um, Jaws look great. Tyus has been, you know, a, a great backup point guard. Granted, I have been seeing DeLon Wright going off in Dallas this year, but that's <laughs> another story for another show. Um, and yeah, we got the big. So yeah, man, that wing play just something's got to give. I don't know, man. Definitely uh, seems like some opportunity for DeAnthony Milton, possibly, potentially. Oh, yeah. Josh Jackson, if he can, uh, you know, abide by these, whatever these <laughs> non-rules and parameters are that Kleiman and co. have set for him that he is not talking about to the media. Um, well, I mean, Josh Jackson is definitely the most talented player out of all those guys. Yeah. Um, so 
I don't think it's a matter of if we'll see him, but more so a matter of when he is gets the call up to the big club. Um, so we got all those guys on the wing. Then we go into the front court, and there's one person we've been assured is not going into the game, <laughs> and that's our boy Bruno Cabacolo. Uh So how, Rich, how are we feeling about our boy Bruno just over there getting splinters in his ass? <laughs> Bro, it just—it <laughs> <laughs> just sucks. Man. I don't know if that's a commonly used term, but that was great. <laughs> you just see him and like you just fucking know he's not getting in the game. He knows he's not getting in the game. Like the warm up is just crispy. It's clean. Uh, it takes me back to like football with like the guys with the clean uniforms. Like you don't want a clean uniform. That means your ass don't play. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Bruno was brought back for a reason, right? Like they saw something in him. They signed him. They chose him for one of those final roster spots. And it's very interesting that he still isn't seeing the court time with JV on a minutes restriction. Uh, I mean, JV is only going to start playing more once he gets fully healthy again. And when we look at the fours and the fives, it's not like we're that deep. You know, we, we cut Plumlee yeah. was one of the final cuts. Uh, it's not like there's just an abundance or an array of big men for us. Um, and I definitely think Bruno could serve a purpose playing as a small ball five in some instances, whether that's just absorbing some fouls, getting some rebounds, you know, playing solid defense. But it's just clear that he's not a part of the rotation, in addition to DeAnthony Melton for some other reason. Uh, and I would just love, you know, at one and four, one and three, whatever our record is, let's let's see something. Let's see. Let's try some guys out. You know, what, what do we have to lose, especially in this year? Like, there's no expectations. I got to think this week could be a week where we see some of those guys. We got, the Grizzlies got four games we got Houston on Monday, uh, the Timberwolves on Wednesday, at Orlando on Friday, come back home, play the Mavericks on Saturday. So Jaron is, what was he, list as questionable, doubtful, mm-hmm. uh, one of those two. JV on a minutes restriction. You're already going to be pretty small. So I've got to think that Bruno will make an appearance and get some random minutes this week. So what will he make the most of it? That's the question. So yeah. I, I really hope he does because I feel like he's one of these players that just gets like a cult following. Like it's just so intriguing. Mm-hmm. Like the long arms, a, like streaky shooting, stoic face. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if y'all saw last night, but he cut his hair. So he looks like young Bruno once again. Oh, he cut the hair? Super low cut. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, And one thing that y'all mentioned about him being a small ball five. I'm wondering if that's not the problem. I think last year we played him even more as a three uh, and we didn't count on him to be the five. And this year he's only seen minutes at the five uh, along and he's played all of his minutes alongside Brandon Clark. Um, so I'd be interested to see him in there, maybe with Clark, Jaron and Bruno allowing Bruno to just be additional length who helps in from the wing. Cause you remember last year, a lot of his blocks were like from the weak side mm-hmm. and, and then his, his tips and things like that, they were just added bonus. So maybe we shouldn't rely on him solely as a five, especially with the lack of talent on the wings, as we just discussed, maybe, you know, maybe that could help free Bruno up and maybe he's just not meant to be a five. I know he was protecting the rim some in FIBA, but I don't think his natural instincts are to be a five-man per se. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets more minutes at all, and if so, where those minutes come in terms of his position in the lineup. 
Well, shoot, we just went through and talked about how bad the wings were. Put him out on the wing. Like, give him his chance. Care. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about also talked about how huge the Lakers seemed uh, with all yeah. their length and big right. guys. And if you got Bruno at the three or the four, you know that's he's going to be bigger than whoever he's going against. Yeah, I just remember last year uh, the Spurs were in town. We're playing them, and he stuffed Lamarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay. He's just flying around, defending the rim. That can be useful, I feel like. I mean, LMA, he's not like the most fleet of foot. He's not making the most athletic plays anymore, but he's still a big guy. You know, he's still 6'10", big-body guy who pushes people around, and Bruno was hanging with him. Like, it, so, there's usefulness for that type of player. So, I mean, I guess to to the larger point, who would y'all want Bruno to take the minutes from? We we mentioned JV, Jaron. We know there's anchor in the starting lineup of the bigs and Kyle and Clark have been getting minutes. I don't think we necessarily want him to play over any of those guys. And all of those guys have somewhat of a future with the Grizzlies. So mm-hmm. why not play him over some of these wing guys like Solomon Hill, maybe even Jay Crowder sometimes, or at least, you know, dwindling down those guys minutes and giving a share to Bruno. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a good start. I mean, like you said, you know, I don't, I can't foresee any of those front court players, uh, me wanting him to kind of supersede them in the rotation uh, because they've all really looked solid uh, thus far this season. But the wings, man, I mean, yeah, it's just, why not? I mean, kind of, I guess that's my mantra. Like, why not? Like, what do we have to lose? Um, and like we stated, uh, just the length, um, the, the versatility that Bruno's able to bring to the court. And he does kind of, uh, elicit a cult following, if you will. Like, people just like him. Like, you know, he seems like a good guy. People want to root for him. Uh, so, yeah, I would love to see him get some action this week, especially with four games. Uh, we've got some guys banged up. Um, so I would love to see him get some court action this week. Now, if he doesn't get any this week, then I'm I'm just I just kind of like confused. No, no. Yeah, I just – I would be kind of lost. So, yeah, we shall see, I guess. Cool. All right, guys. Got anything else? Hey, the uh, starting lineup is plus 8.7 per 100 possessions in uh, 44 uh-huh. minutes. So it ain't all bad. There's been that. some signs. Okay, some. Uh, we got five lineups that have more than uh, – have played more than five minutes together with positive di- differentials. Uh, the one is the starters. The one with the next most minutes played, 15 minutes, that is Grayson – Kyle, Brandon, Marco, and Tyus Jones. Marco is actually on three of the five lineups that have positive differentials. So maybe we have jumped the gun on that. Uh, the, nah. one that <laughs> the one that he's not in is Ja, Solomon Hill, Jay Crowder, Brandon Clark, and Dylan Brooks, which uh, Ja is only in two of the lineups, the starting unit and that one. And then Jaron is only in – uh, two of the lineups as well, the starting lineup, and when he is alongside Tyus, Marco, Jay Crowder, and Brandon Clark, who have played 13 minutes together. So, so what's the there's a lot, feels like it's hard to pull a discernible pattern out of all that. Yeah, uh, really not a lot. There's only like I said, those five lineups have played more than five minutes together and have a positive differential, and we've obviously been getting whooped a lot. Uh, Marco is the name that appears the most though. <laughs> Wow. Uh, like like you challenged me earlier. I think we'll have to dig deeper oh, into that one. Tyus also three times. Tyus also three times. 
The concerning part to me is John uh, Jaron only in two of those lineups each. Yeah, they should be in like three mm-hmm. or four. And only one of those lineups are them together. Oh, oh gosh, yeah, I would expect the That's lineup with both of them to be. I mean, you want that one to be probably in three of your five best lineups, starting the game, closing the game. Right. So we'll see. Uh, hey. We're not hoping for too many wins this year. We just want to see the small, small improvements, and uh, from Ja and Jaren specifically, <laughs> we could really give a damn about anyone else. Uh, we, we will include Brandon Clark. <laughs> Brandon Clark, yeah, Brandon Clark for sure. Would like to see some Bruno improvement. That'd be cool. Maybe some Marco, some Grayson, some Josh Jackson. <laughs> now you just listen to everybody. <laughs> hey, I'm just the people who have potential to be around. We know Jay and Solomon Hill, they they just getting a cup of coffee in Memphis and they'll be yeah. gone. Faux show. All right, check uh check us out on the Barnburner Podcast Network. Give us a review, give us some stars. Uh you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the cool places like that. Check out the hyphen barnburner.com for game previews, wrap ups, uh other awesome articles. I'll just say it. You know, I'll just say it. A lot of Memphis Tiger stuff. Also, check out the Theater and College Hoops guys on the Barnburner Podcast Network. They got everything you need to get ready for the yeah, college season. I mean, those guys know so much about college basketball. It yeah. is ridiculous. Like, yeah. I, I, yes. I, give <laughs> Listen to a couple of their shows, and I think you will be incredibly impressed at the amount of knowledge that they have. Yeah. They got a conference previews for every conference in, in the nation. So, or all the major ones, at least. So, yep. Check those guys out for sure. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining us. Put Jaron in the pick and roll, baby. (laughs) Peace.